Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Um, I am, depending on when this flows and how it goes, my focus for the Wednesday nights that we do, you know, I'll be, I'll be speaking, is going to be on blessings and curses. So blessings and curses, uh, I really want to hone in on this because it's, uh, I think it's something that many of us, and specifically, I'll probably lean a little bit more talking about curses tonight uh, because I want to I want to identify some things. And some of you, I really want you to listen to this because I feel like I feel like there's been such a fight uh, on this my study time, my prayer into this because I feel like the enemy wants to keep a lot of people in the dark when it comes to curses. Um, I, I've a lot of the content that I pull from, some of it's personal, some of it's from Derek Prince, and it's not Joseph Prince, the guy that, whatever it is, reigned of destined or something another. It's not that guy, so just, Derek, uh, Derek Prince is uh, the guy that I pulled this from. He's an incredible theologian. He's no longer, he's gone home to be with the Lord, so just know that. Just wanna let you know that uh, in case you wanna do some research in that as well. But um, so it's a really, really good, really good book that he wrote on this specifically but just so you know uh, all this wasn't original with me but I did pull a lot of the content from there along with uh, some of the things that I have personally felt in my own spirit so Deuteronomy chapter 30 I'm going to start here uh, and we'll, we'll go see what God's got Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15 says this is God speaking he said see I set before you today life and prosperity death and destruction For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, very important, and to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering into possess. Now, I don't think I have this one specifically, but I'm going to read it anyway. So chapter 9 or verse uh, 17 says, but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you get rebellious, if you get disobedient, if you begin to turn to idols and something becomes God in your life, and if you are drawn away and bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day, you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Now, this does not just stop with them. Yes, it, in, it, it entails them, but it speaks to us as well. In verse 19, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life. Look at somebody and tell them, say, choose life. Choose life. So that you and your children, he's generational. You and your children, not just you, doesn't just end with you, you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers. And he starts talking generationally again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is looking to touch generations. You're living for a generation that you will never see. 
Let it soak in for a moment. I know we've heard it before, but you're living right now for a generation that you will never see. Think about it. If God tarries, if God decides not to come back and all, whatever people are saying in the prophet, I, I'm not going to a prophetic conference in the sense of end time prophecy stuff. We just don't know. We can pull things together and get knowledge of those things. And I think it's great to do that. But for me, myself, my focus is more on kingdom here and now. And sometimes we can get our minds focused on going there that we're no good here. Here, as I said Sunday, and I pulled this from Pastor Mike Todd, here is holy. Right now in this moment, here is holy. Now, I do have an eye on the future, but I don't let my mind drift there. Here is holy. Right now in this moment is where God has put me. Um, and so underneath blessings and curses, the focus that I really want to pull us into, and this is the subtopic of what I'm talking about tonight, is unseen forces. Blessings and curses are unseen forces. Now, they function, and I can't go deep into this tonight, but they function in, in, in a, a, a realm that we don't see with our eyes. Now, they manifest into the natural, and, uh, but we don't see those with our eyes. And I, I want to describe some stuff as I go deeper into the scripture, and I'm going to give you three things at the end to help you uh, maybe move out of some of this as we move into more of this teaching. I really want you to listen to this tonight. I, I know a lot of messages I preach, I always pull on you, but I really want you to focus in on this because some of you in the house tonight, there could be a reason as to why that you're facing and experiencing a lot of what you're facing is because it's tied to a generation before you previous generations before you. Uh, this is all scripturally based. The scripture says, as Moses, God was speaking to Moses, he talked about, and we've heard it quoted so many times, that the, the, the iniquities of our forefathers have been visited down to the third and the fourth generation. Think about two to three generations back from where you are. Look at what has passed through your family. Maybe it, be, it might be some type of abuse uh, of a wife to a husband or a husband to a wife or alcoholism or drugs or, or some form of promiscuity uh, or adultery. And it just tracks from one generation to the next because it's a spirit. You've got to deal with the spirit. And, it, and it's, it's somewhere somebody opened a door and it, it was a curse that t attached itself to a generation. And it's, it's, it's following and tracking down to the next generation. My heart for you tonight is to be the guy standing out and telling you to get out of the road and say, don't let it go through you. Let it stop at you. Because that's what I want. If I could, before I go a little bit deeper, I want to tell you a personal story, and this might be a little bit transparent. I don't know if we podcast this or not, but um, I, I, I want to, I'm serious. This, this is something that I, I still don't know. I, I had breakfast with Pastor Eddie yesterday morning, and we were talking, and I uh, began to talk to him about uh, some things specifically, you know, and I, I still have lots of questions surrounding my dad's death. Um, he, he died of pancreatic cancer. It just came out of the blue. It was something, uh, and I'm not equating this to this, uh, but your mind, because we're human and we, we look for answers. When someone dies an untimely death, we or prematurely, we think, man, what's going on? Because my dad was healthy. He was 53. I mean, we were, we were uh, um, I mean, still, still pretty active, doing a lot of things when, uh, before he got sick. And just uh, very, very, he and I were very close. And um, I, I, I was telling Pastor Eddie, because I know he struggled with the same thing, just wondering and asking questions as to why, why did this happen? And I, I still to this day, and again, God hasn't told me anything. I don't have a hard heart towards it. I just have a broken heart about it, if I could just say that. Um, and I was talking with my mom the other day, and 
And uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was telling her, I said, because I started this actually with Pastor Philip back in 20, uh, 2010, we began to talk about breaking condemnation because I had a lot of that, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame of things that I did in my past, but not just that, but we got into talking about generational curses. I was raised in church and never heard generational curses. Youth, please hear this. There are generational curses, and I'll dig deeper into this as we move forward. And I never heard that growing up, never heard it in church. And, and the Pentecostal church that I grew up in, awesome church. We, we saw mighty moves of the Spirit. I can look back and remember those of just powerful moves when God, we just began to weep. It was so awesome. But anyway, and so uh, Pastor Philip was the first time he, he talked to me about generational curses and teaching me how to, to begin to declare and break things that I didn't know that maybe had attached themselves down throughout generation to generation. And so my mom and I were having a conversation here a while back and um, she was telling me, she said, you know, my grandmother, my dad's mom, back before, uh, back before, as well before I was born, I don't know how far back that was, I'm not telling you when I was born, because youth will laugh at me, but um, I, we were, my, my mom and dad, my mom and dad went down to, to visit my grandmother, and uh, I always heard that my grandmother dabbled in witchcraft a little bit, but I didn't know exactly, uh, th- this is after the fact, because I heard cousins talking about it, and, and then, then at the time, we just thought, well, that's just like watching a movie, you know, you're just like, oh, you steer clear of that stuff, we don't mess with that. But I come to find out later on, uh, my mom was telling me that my grandmother used to read tarot cards. Tarot cards, she messed with Ouija boards. Um, and there was a lot of things that she did in her earlier years and even when my mom and dad were just recent, were married. And, and so for me, that is an, let me explain something to you. That psychics, mediums, spiritists, it's Old Testament. God said it, steer clear. You invite something into your life you don't want. And so the door was opened. And I'm not saying, but I, I begin to wonder to myself because to me, our family was ignorant of, of curses. We were ignorant of opening these doors. That just means you don't know. Now, stupidity is a different story. You knew. But I'm not saying I have no idea, but my mind can only wonder what, why is it that something, that, that, that death could come, that destruction can come, that disease can come? Because the, the devil comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And so when we open doors without stepping in and stopping it and shutting the door through repentance, then we welcome that into our, our, our own life that can track from one generation to the next generation because the spirit has to have a body. Do you guys remember me telling you guys that previously? Probably don't remember that. Okay, but anyway, a spirit, any type of spirit, the Holy Spirit needs a body. People say, well, no, no, it's the cries of the people. He responds. He needs you. God said, let them have dominion. He looks to move through us. So it has to have a physical. That's why Jesus came. God in flesh came in physical form to do it the right way, as Galatians talks about, to bring us and reconcile us back to the Father. He came through blood and he came through water, through a woman to restore back what we lost and forfeited in the garden. He couldn't come as God and, uh, God by himself as a spirit. He had to come in the form of a man. You with me? So spirits need bodies. Demonic spirits are no different. If they're here without a body, they're trespassing illegally. And spirits do not die. We can cast them out, and they go through arid and dry places looking for a body to attach themselves to so that they can possess Yes, demonic possession is real. I don't, you've come too late to tell me that, that, that people that, oh, they can't be possessed. That's just a bunch of hog. No, it's true. And I don't think that we should even play with it if it's on TV. 
I'm telling you, if you, you, you do not open that door into your house, physically and, and, and spiritually, literally, figuratively, whatever. So some of us here tonight may be struggling with a history of disappointments, frustrations, struggles, or even possibly tragedies that have started. Maybe it was in you, but maybe it occurred generations prior. And it seems like that the story never ends. It's current or it just constantly moves through the generations. And uh, it's, it's got to stop at you. You have to stop it with you, all right? Don't let it go through you. I don't care how young you are. One of these days, Lord willing, you're going to have children, and you don't want that going to your children. I promise you. We love people, but especially when those babies come along, you love your children. And you want it to stop at you and not keep going. So it's important to know how these blessings and curses operate. It's the same. The blessings of the Lord, we can look up and we can see uh, uh, that one, you can look at people and I've seen that they're financially blessed, their health, they just live long life and it's just these these certain people and and, and it's like, man, they just, nothing ever seems, because the hand of the Lord, the blessing of God, I know there's things that happen in our life, but then you look over here and the opposite is true. It just seems like maybe maybe you look at two different people and you see one uh, that they, uh, one might be under a curse and it's not anything that you did but it's previous generations just because you can say well I'm not under one doesn't mean that you're not just to say that you're not doesn't exempt you from it there has to be action steps that you take to stop it so um, neither of the two forces if we look at this can be uh, uh, that they're in an unseen and a work in the lives of people they're light and shadow they're unseen and they've been at work in previous generations um, I want to look at a closer look at this. We think about two different people that are walking along the same track, and maybe they go to the same school for the same degree and all of these things. The one under a curse is doing all the right things. They're getting around the right people. They get the right positive mentality in all different aspects, but success continues to elude them. It doesn't seem to attach itself to them. Their children become rebellious. Their marriage comes under a, a lot of strain. Their finances are never there. It just seems like there's something that's always happening and always going wrong. There's accidents, there's illnesses, and and, and all of that stuff is routine. And it's always in a place of constant struggle or warring. Let me give a word to some of us tonight. If you're constantly in a war, something's not right. And you want to pick up on that. We should never constantly be in a state of war. These bodies were not meant for 24-7 warfare. Do you understand that? I can't go deep into this, but that's why that we are not meant to live in a second heaven, which is where spiritual warfare takes place. Principalities, powers, demonic magistrates that set up over regions. We are not to, do not say, I call and wage war on the devil. Do not repent of that. I'm just telling you, do not ever say that. You have to look at the model and it's Jesus. I'm serious about this. You look at Jesus. How did Jesus, did he go around and say, I just declare war on every demon in this region? He did not. Whatever manifested in front of him, he dealt with it. That's how we're called to live. Are you with me? We're not demon hunters. We're Jesus followers. Figure out which side you want to be on and follow it. It could be an invitation if you go in that route. But if you're constantly in a state of struggle, strain, war, and it's all the time, something is not right because Jesus said, come to me. Did he not? What did he say? All you that are and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you find rest in who he is and what he's done, you fight from victory and not for it. Are you with me? Can I teach it? We have got to realize who we are and whose we are. 
and let the Holy Spirit identify, convict when there's something not right. Let him put his finger on it and, and, and address it. Let God, let God confront the things in you. He's got to be able to confront. You can't overlook those. I promise you, you never want the conviction of the Holy Spirit to lift off of your life. When he lifts, Romans talks about that your conscience has been seared with a hard iron. What does that mean? That means that you've become so rebellious and so hard-hearted and so stony towards the things of God that he can't do anything with you. He's tried. And what does the potter do with the clay that he can't form? Thrown out to the potter's field where it's just trash. I am not trash, so God formed me, right? Speak to me. Show me if there is a curse looming in my life. It has to be identified so that I can work through it. So you might feel, maybe you feel that tonight, man, he, pastor's talking about some stuff, and there's just something that's just tracked from one generation to the next in our lives. Maybe it's some type of form of addiction. Maybe, I mean, it could be anything, I'm, I'm serious, anything. I'm currently reading a book, and I love it because I love Blake Healy, but it's a book called The Veil. It's really good, and my wife and I, we've, we've actually, and there's been a couple other ones in the room. We have read two other books that he, that he wrote, and this is so good, and it challenges the, the very religious people because it's like, you know, this guy has, a, has an ability to see into the realm of the Spirit, but it has so challenged me, and it's opened my eyes, and it's full of Scripture of how God desires for us to live our lives, and so for me, it, it's, God, I got to be able to see now. Now, I don't want to see physically. Uh, I, I think I've shared this story when I was about 10 years old, and I was in the hospital room, and I had my, the first ever, I was sick, and people said, well, my aunt, one, of my, one of my family members, I don't want to give them away, but they said, oh, he's just, he was hallucinating, his fever was high. My fever might have been high that night, but I know what I saw, and there was something that freaked me out. It's real. There is a realm we don't see that's real, and so it's important, and it's vital that we don't just close our eyes to all of these things, but we understand what God wants us to do in these moments. If you're in any aspect of this, maybe uh, uh, what, what God wants to do is he wants to identify it in you at first, call it out so you can move forward. Uh, forward. And the, again, whether it's blessing, because some of us are living under the faithfulness of a tithing and a giving and a praying generation, generations before us, uh, I, I'm living under that blessing under my grandmother, uh, and, and I, I just just a woman that was so faithful. And it's it's just just certain blessings have always come up on my life, and I think it's because of preceding generations. Here, let me give you a defi definition really quick uh, of what a curse could be likened to. You ready? All right, a curse could be likened to a long, evil arm stretched out from the past. It rests upon you with a dark, oppressive force that inhibits the full expression of your personality, which is why you say, well, this is just the way that I am. So you're welcoming that. And it goes on, and it says, you never feel completely free to be yourself. You sense that you have potential within you, but it's never fully developed. You always expect more of yourself than you're able to achieve could have the effect of tripping you as you walk, not physically, but figuratively speaking. Your way seems to be clear before you, but from time to time you stumble and you cannot see what it is that you're stumbling over. Think about it for a moment. A long outstretched arm from previous generations that is looking to afflict because it doesn't want to just... It doesn't want to just stick with you. It's looking to go to the next generation. Remember what I said? You're living for a generation that you've never seen, right? A word that could sum up a curse could be the word frustration. 
You're constantly frustrated. You're discouraged all the time. Disappointment and discouragement are weapons that the enemy uses on a consistent basis because if he can't get you to fall into sin, Greg, what he does is he looks to disappoint you and discourage you. If he gets you discouraged, he can definitely get you down. Discouragement is a weapon. If I could just say that discouragement is murder in diapers. It is. Just start with somebody that's discouraged and wait and give them 10 to 15 years if they stay there and look at where they end up. Bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, all of that malice and rage will set up it to a point to where eventually you implode because of all of that discouragement. And it started with discouragement. Something to shout about, right? Curses don't look to rest, even blessings. They don't look to just rest on a family or a community or an individual that, let me rephrase that, curses and blessings don't look to just rest on an individual, a family, a community, a city, or a nation. They look to move on to the next generation, to the next generation. So whatever the source is, that's something that you have to identify. God has to reveal to you. And maybe it's easily found. I look back on this, and I'm telling you, as soon as I heard this, I had already been breaking through, my, for, through uh, uh, declarations of Scripture back in 2010. I declare that right now in Jesus' name, I repent, Father, for anything. If my family, and I'm getting ahead of myself, I repent. If my family has made any blood packs with demons, if there's been any type of, maybe my, I'm, you're going to laugh at this, but if my family got off the Mayflower and they begin to sit down and worship with Indians and abandon their faith in Jesus, Whatever that is, I, I, I repent of any of that stuff. I repent of any idol worship that's in my past. I repent of any sexual promiscuity that happened in previous generations, any adultery. I repent of any addictions that, that my family, I went through and I continued. And I repented of stuff that I don't think my family ever did, but I did it anyway. Any form, any form. And there was a great book that helped me with that as well. But it, it's, you have to be able to cover that. Well, I didn't do it though, Pastor AJ. No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, that spirit's looking to move through you. It's looking to your children and it's looking to their children. Even though they can't see the future, they know they've been around long enough, they're familiar. Man, I wanna go into familiar spirits, but I, 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 I dare to just leave that on long tonight. They look to go to, the, does this make sense to any of you? Everybody catching this? I know it might be deep for some of us and you've never thought of it. I promise you, I'm not kidding. So blessings and curses belong to an invisible realm, um, a spiritual realm. They are vehicles of the supernatural uh, spiritual power. They're supernatural. And when God began to establish laws, precepts, uh, when you look at Psalm 119, it's one of my favorite because people think law and they think, oh man, it's because the letter does kill. But there was a desire in God's heart. Hear this because I, I want to establish this really quick. In Exodus 19, y'all have heard this before, but you read it. Exodus 19, if you're taking notes, just read that because this is where you need to understand. This is where the separation went from the children of Israel and Moses and God and Moses and the children of Israel and God. There was a separation that happened here because God wanted this nation, all 12 tribes, to become priests. He desired that. He's like, I, I want them to become priests. All of those minister to me. I think it's Exodus chapter 19, that whole chapter, especially verse seven. He said, I would, to, I would that they would to me become a kingdom of priests. 
And because they saw the fire on the mountain and they saw the smoke and they saw all this stuff, there was a fear. And it wasn't, it might've been a reverence and a holy fear, but it wasn't one that drew them in. It was one that pushed them away and freaked them out. And they told Moses, they said, Moses, you go talk and listen to what he says and we'll listen to you. You mediate and we'll just do what you do. Moses was an intimate of God that spoke face to face. When the scripture says face to face, it means mouth to mouth. It is in essence, a form of what a, a, a groom and a bride do at a wedding when they kiss. I know that sounds, you, oh, that's, that's what it means. There was a nearness with them. And when Moses comes off the mountain, he's glowing and there has to be a veil on his face because of the glory of God. And we have better than that. It's what scripture says than what Moses had. But when he comes down, they're still freaked out. They said, you tell us what, what to do, Moses, and uh, we'll do it. And so God at that moment says, that's what you want? Here is 613 laws that you're going to have to follow to walk in holiness, which obviously could not be accomplished. A lot of rituals, a lot of different things. So it's crazy, right? And so from that is whenever the Lord begins to speak through Moses and we get Deuteronomy 28, which you need to be acquainted with. Deuteronomy 28, 29, 30, read them all. Blessings and curses. Some of those, well, well, do they apply? This is like this. I'm going to tell you something really quick as I move a little bit forward about the laws of God. Think about gravity for a moment. You've heard me say this before. Get on, if, if you don't, you cannot break God law, God's laws. You can't break them. How is it that anybody in this room can break his enduring word? I'm saying that it's broken to where it could never be used again. We can't. You can only break yourself on them. Think of someone that breaks one of God's top 10, the 10 commandments. Those made it through the cross and they're still uh, for us today, right? Think of it from, uh, um, from murder. Oh, that's just, I would never do that. But we break, uh, we, we break ourselves on the Sabbath. We work 24-7. We never shut down. We never take a Sabbath. I can't go there. Think about it from the aspect of jumping off of a building, the law of gravity, all right? I don't believe in that. That's ridiculous, right? We know that we jump off this building. We're not going to float by no means. You're going to go straight down to the ground. And depending on how high it is, obviously. So it's a law that's been written in. We understand. It's a law of, of what we live in. So it's the same with God. And so God, when he establishes these laws, he doesn't say you can't sleep around and commit adultery or you can't murder because he doesn't want you to have fun or he doesn't want you to off somebody that makes you mad. He does it for the sake of blessing and to protect you. It's protection and blessing. It's guardrails. We're going into it Sunday. There's rules and there's things that God set in motion for your blessing and for your protection and for your increase. It's increase. So that's why we desire to follow God, whatever it is that you say, it's not so that I can't have fun. It's so that you want me to be blessed to walk up right before you and to know that you're a good God. So blessings and curses are supernatural. They're a spiritual power. There's, there's benefits uh, to, to the blessings of the Lord and obviously to curses. They bring, they bring bad and harmful results. And both of these, are, they're, so, they're so major in Scripture. They're so major. So much so that they're mentioned 640 times. 640 times we hear about blessings and curses through Scripture. So it's pretty important. Really quick, You've heard me say this once already, but let me reiterate this to you. Two important features. One is this, that they, 
They affect the effect of them, whether it's blessing or curses, they're, they're seldom limited to just you. They look to move through you and go to the extended family, tribes, communities, nations. Uh, and once they get their, their claws in or once God's hand gets upon you, he looks to bless you and increase it to another degree. Can I give you something on the blessing side? Because I've been talking a lot of curse, about curses. In an Old Testament, and even, new, I think, I don't know about it, it's listed Old Testament. We know that when kings brought another king a gift, they gave out of their abundance. They didn't give out of, there's not a mentality of lack within a king's mindset. You understand? I was reading through first, uh, second, first Kings, whenever Solomon is established in his kingdom. Do you know what's crazy about that? Just, for, just a side note, because of God's blessing, because his father, even though he royally messed it up, he had a royally good heart towards God to know how to get on his face and God, please don't take your presence from me. So Solomon was blessed because of God's, because David's intimate heart with God. And the scripture says that silver was of no value, of little to no value in that time. Can you imagine if on our streets, the blessing of God, there's no war during the time of Solomon. It is a blessed time. No war at all. And I mean, there's no lack. His temple is immaculate. Even when the queen of Sheba comes, she brings, I'm talking about these treasure drills. And I mean, it's just massive. And she tested him on every aspect that she could. And she found him to be the wisest man of all. That's why I tell you, read your daily proverb. The wisest man wrote it. He might have royally messed up at the end, uh, but he, he definitely started great. <laughs> but as she's testing him, she is blown away at even how his, how his, his servants are dressed, how they seat all of, she's looking at details, and that's why we take excellence to, to an utmost here in the church. We believe, God, this is your house. We want to take care of it, right? But she, she sees all this, and it was simply because the blessing of a previous generation, the way David conducted his affairs before God, and his heart to go after God with everything he's got. So that's why we tell you, youth, adults, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord, because it is. Well, I'm working in this job, and I hate this job. Shift your language. Shift your language. Think of it, God, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. I don't care if it's a 15-minute job, if, it's a, if, I, if I'm working PRN as needed at certain locations or whatever. I'm going to do it as unto the Lord, unto you, God. So, and God blesses that. Uh, I'll keep moving. So it's seldom affected just the individual. And the second thing, there are recurrent situations and patterns of behavior that can't be explained solely in terms of what has happened in our lifetime. So again, the root cause goes back thousands of, it could be back thousands of years. Obviously, we're still dealing with a curse that was initiated in the garden. Now, Jesus became the curse on the tree and the curse of sin was broken, right? And so those of us that haven't come into the kingdom of God yet, we, uh, that, that maybe those, our brothers and sisters that are, they call them pre-believers is what I've heard before. They're not there yet, but there is a, uh, for, for those of us that's in the kingdom, he broke that curse of sin. There's no longer a sin problem. Now hear what I'm saying on that, so don't get it twisted. That there, people still sin, but Jesus dealt with it. There's just a sinner problem. So there is a coming to the, to the, to the Lord. The main vehicle, and this is where I'm about to land and be finished and give you three things and we're done. The main vehicle, hear this, not the only, but the main vehicle for blessings and curses, get ready for those of you that like to talk a lot, is words. <laughs> is words. Think about 
I catch one of my family members at oftentimes, oh, my back is killing me. And it's like, well, it's going to eventually. You know what I'm saying? Something's killing you. Well, I'm just sick and tired. Well, go ahead. You're going to be sick and tired. Y'all have heard us talk about these things before. But it's what you're saying. Well, let's, I don't mean it. No, you don't mean it, but you just released it. You made a declaration, right? You know, we talk about, it's not godly declarations. You just flipped that declaration on its head and said something negative. You talk about your children and say, you're never going to amount to anything. Well, maybe they won't because you're declaring it over them. So, and we can think about that in, uh, in so many different aspects. But one thing that is a daily thing for me, and somebody added a new one to me today, but one thing that I do on a daily basis is breaking word curses. The people, whether they're talking about me, I break them over my life, my marriage, my wife. I break them over my children, over our future calling and destiny. Uh, I break them over the church because there's been, Lord knows there's been a bunch of, I want to call a word, but I'll be really safe tonight. A bunch of mess spoken over our house. And I'm just, I, I break it. I don't care. It may have come out of some of our, and from time to time when I get frustrated, you know what? No, I break it in Jesus' name. That we're going to move forward and we're going to see God move in a powerful way we are going to see revival. So it's, you have, to, you have to take inventory of what you're saying. Think about what you say before you say it. Don't, I mean, I get it. Mom said it. Grandma said it. They all said it from generations past, but it has to stop at you. It has to stop in some way at you, and there has to be a discipline to take place because the main vehicle, not the only vehicle, is words. And I, uh, I think it's important too. I was talking with someone today and they were mentioning about a friend that or someone they're acquainted with uh, had someone in their family that's kind of leaning towards Buddhism and they're just, you know, kind of excited that they're, 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 they're you know, this person that they were talking to is like, well, I'm just excited they're pursuing something. And I was thinking to myself, just a side note, I was like, man, and I, and I take Pastor Bill's quote on this. He said, if there's many ways to God, hear what I'm about to tell you. For those of you that's going off to college, get ready. I don't know what kind of professor that you're going to encounter. I've talked with different ones before that have come out of college and been messed up like a soup sandwich in their theological mindset. Don't know what they believe. But it's important to know that when you go off to college, it's going to be challenged. Depending on who your professor is, because some of them are intellectuals. And intellectualists, they, they ascend themselves into a position to become God, and they don't believe in anything, which is ridiculous. And we, um, anyway, I'm, i got to stop and get off that soapbox. But... If there are multiple ways to God, Pastor Bill said, then the Father owes Jesus an apology for making him die the way he did. Now, that's not me. Pastor Bill said, once it gets in you, you can have it, but I got to give him honor on this one. Next one, it's mine. I'll, I'll claim it. But think about that. Here's the thing. If I have any form of idol in my home, if you have a little Buddha in your, oh, it's just a cute figurine, you better get rid of it. I'm telling you, if this word is true, if this word is true, what did he say? If you are drawn away, and now he's saying if you bow down, why would you, why would you have something in your house just simply as entertainment? I'm not saying you're bowing down and burning incense to it, but why would I even welcome it into my home? I was reading a story about someone that had, uh, they, they, were, they were doing ministry in Korea and they came back and a, a lot that's happening uh, over there is they have a lot of dragons and things like that. Well, what's acquainted in scripture to a dragon? Let me just ask a question because I'm gonna step on some toes probably. What's acquainted in scripture's dragon? What started off as a serpent is being fed all the way to the end of Revelation and it becomes a dragon, right? Satan, the great serpent, he's a dragon. 
So I, I want to rid myself if there's something that's not right. I've heard people that's talked about, man, I couldn't sleep at night. And all of a sudden, uh, my wife, it, it, she tells uh, she tells us, well, I probably don't want to put her on the spot, of something that was under her bed. She didn't know it was under her bed. It was a certain CD. And, and Again, you can call it legalism if you want to, but when you're sensitive to those things, you get rid of it. And it was a specific CD, and, and she couldn't sleep. She couldn't figure out why, but she happened to find an old CD that someone had left in her room under that. And when she got rid of it, everything left. I'm telling you to be careful. Your homes are sanctuaries. They're places of peace where God himself looks to rest upon. That's your safe haven. You have to be protective of your homes because it's not just you that lives there. It's, a, it's generations that live in that home. It's not just stopping at you. It's, it's moving through the generations. So that, that's just my little input on some of that stuff. Proverbs 11.9 says this, with, your mouth, with the mouse, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge the righteous escape, right? Through your mouth, through slander, through gossip, things like that, because of what you say. Well, but it's true, but should you have said it? I think whenever we gossip, we open up ourselves to entertain because gossip is more common than, than some of the other uh, blatant sins that we hear about. When I open my mouth and begin to gossip, I believe that I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing, it's word curses, I believe, with all of my heart. Turning, what? But it's true, Pastor AJ. You just got to understand it's true. Have you took it through the filter of intercession before you said it? Sorry, I had to bend my back and lay into that one real good. Gossip and slander, there's so much slander flying that it's ridiculous. We have to be careful and guarded what we say because we're releasing curses. I don't care if it is true. Take it before the Lord and pray. I, that's what I, can I just, I mentioned it Sunday. I have been praying fervently over uh, Jeremy Foster and Brian Simmons, two pastors that have fallen and people are pointing and throwing rocks. I don't, go ahead, do what you feel like you need, but I'm praying for restoration. Scripture says in Galatians, you who are spiritual, you are the, you're the ones that's supposed to work in restoration and helping those come back. Now I have no relationship with them, but I understand prayer can, I can do something, I can pray. So for those in that, in that position. Anyway, Proverbs 15 and 4. The soothing tongue is a tree of, li tree of life, but a perverse tongue, a twisted tongue, a warped tongue crushes the spirit. Think about the words that's been spoken to you that have crushed you. Words that have been spoken that should have never been said that have crushed you. Proverbs 18, 21. This is one of my favorites. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. So if my tongue has in it the power of life and death, I'm eating the fruit of whatever it is that I'm saying. I'm forming the world that I see before my eyes by what I say. So it is something, and Crystal's gonna wear me out on this message. I oh, you remember what you said. I wanna hear it. Don't hold anything over my head. All right, uh, Demetri, if you would, come so I can stop. James chapter three, and then this is where, y'all know where I'm going with this. James was, he would punch you in the mouth with the word of God. He would just straight up tell you like it was. If you don't believe it, just read James. It's very challenging. James chapter three, I wanna read verse six. He's talking about the tongue. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil. Wow. Among us, uh, excuse me, I lost where I was at. There it is. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the, look at that. It corrupts the whole body. It corrupts the whole sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and that's not a holy fire. Maybe if you look at it on the flip side, but it goes on to say, and, and is itself set on fire by what? Hell. We didn't just cuss. We just said what the word said. So that thing is set, it's influenced 
by another realm, emotions, mind, will. It's influenced by something externally that manifested internally and begins to externally vomit on somebody else. He goes on to say, um, in verse 8, I want to pick up verse 8. But it's, verse eight it says, no human being can tame the tongue. There you go. So that means you need a helper. <laughs> you got to have a helper. Who's my helper? Holy Spirit. He's the paraclete. He's the one that's been sent to come alongside you, empower you and help you, convict you, and that you would listen and not be stubborn and turn from what he's speaking to you. He goes on to say, it is, as, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Man, he's just like, he just, he's not trying to dance around the topic. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. Oh, who have been made. Here's the reason why you don't. Because they've been created in the image of God. Now, he goes on to say in verse 10, out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. So I want to... Uh, I want to land the plane. If you would stand to your feet. And this is going to be, this is, I, I, I put a listed three things, but there's really four because the first one is unlisted, but it has to be identified. You ready? Words are not the only channels we know that blessings and curses may be transmitted. So for us, we have to begin to examine the situations that continue to occur. They're reoccurring. Come on, think about it for a moment. Think about the things that you slip into all the time and it's constantly reoccurring. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. That's the number one thing. You've got to ask Him for revelation. He's got to reveal this to you. You with me? Hang with me. If you need to do jumping jacks to stay awake, do it. If you've worked hard today, and I know many of you have. The first thing that has to happen is a revealing. Because before there's ever a revival in your life, there's always a revealable. There has to be a revealing of things that's not right in you because in us by ourselves, he's bringing me into something. God is transforming me on a daily basis and I have to be open to the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that has to happen is repent. You have to repent, which means that there has to be a changing of the mind, a changing of direction. God, and think about it in terms for some of us that have had stuff going on in our, everybody, if you've never repented for previous generational sins, you need to do it. I don't, I don't care. Well, we're all saints. No, you're not. So you need to repent. <laughs> we need to repent for things. I'm telling you, we don't know what our ancestors did, but I want a clean slate. I want, I want my bloodline purged. I know that sounds crazy, but I want it purged. I want, I want to be cleansed and sanctified. I want to be holy before the Lord. I want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not my own, because I don't have any. It's in him. And so I have to repent. I have to acknowledge and make uh, that it, maybe I did it in my lifetime, a wrong confession, or maybe it's previous generations. If there is, uh, again, if there is an identifiable sin, I'm going to use alcoholism, for example. Somewhere, if I didn't bring it into my line, my life, and it's been previous, like for me, it was previous generations. It was at least four generations back of alcoholics. So for me, I repented of wherever they opened that door. I don't know how it started. 
started, but I'm going to repent of it. And maybe there's, and again, I repented for witchcraft. So uh, some of y'all could probably top some of those things, but that's pretty wild to have someone practice that into your life. Or, and, and, and in your lifetime where you were a part of that and connected to those people. So repent. God, I'm sorry for what my grandmother did. I'm telling you, this is literally, Father, forgive, forgive me for what my, I'm not repenting for her because I can't do that. Her, her, whatever her eternal state is, it's sealed. I can't change that. I'm not trying to. So I repent for what she did and I pray for the purging of the Holy Spirit into my life and I stop it right here, God. And then I move to the next thing. So you repent, you revoke. Some of you are gonna get a hold of this. Some of us will. You revoke it. What does that mean? To unsay or cancel it. It means to put an end to the validity or the operation of. Uh, you make a decree, a decision, and a promise. It has to be revoked. And then the last thing is you have to replace it. So there's four R's there. You have to replace it. Our previous wrong confession, I have to replace it with the right one. I declare that I will live and will not die. Cancer has no authority in me, has no authority in my family. You have to rise up as children of God. You can't just do this as a religious act. It has to become a personal conviction where you believe that God will wipe it clean from your life, just like salvation. If you don't believe in it, how can it happen? I believe, therefore, what Jesus did for me has been imputed into my life. Imputation means that it is given. It doesn't grow, it's given. You with me? So I, I, I know there's some of us in the room that need to take a few moments. I just wanna give you some time. Is anybody in this room, I want you to be honest with me. Is there anyone in the room right now that the Holy Spirit has already revealed to you some areas that you know, man, that's some stuff that happened way back. And, and, I, and I've seen some of this. Is there anybody that would be honest and says me? See, hands going up all over the room. Listen, so what we wanna do since he's revealed it, now we start and we repent, all right? I want to lead you. I want to lead you through it. I, I, I want to help us. This is part of the discipleship process. So, just you and the Lord right now. Just take a few moments now that He's revealed it to you, and just begin to repent. Say, you know, just start up and say, "Father, forgive." me or maybe you did it in your lifetime forgive me forgive my family forgive us god because i represent them i'm alive today so forgive us for that door that we opened up maybe it was occultism maybe it was some form of 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 sins that was opened up in the previous generations because i don't want it visiting my children i don't want it going three and four generations deep anymore seven ten twelve 20 generations deep. It's got to stop right here. So I repent right now, God. I plead the blood of Jesus over my bloodline. We plead the blood. We believe in the power of what he did on the cross. So you, you plead the blood. Now move into revoking it. God, I declare that right now, I revoke that specific area. Uh, maybe it was a door open for a curse. I revoke it. I declare that it has no authority in my life. It has no authority in my children, my marriage, my finances, my future, my destiny, my calling. I break ties with it and revoke it right now in Jesus' name. Now you, you begin to replace it. What does that look like? Jesus, you became a curse on a tree and you knew no sin and you became it so that I through you might become righteousness. So I replace it with scripture that you became the curse and the curse of sin was broken. Curses have been broken over my life. And I declare that I am a son. I am a daughter. I'm whole. 
I am whole tonight. Depression can't attach its claws into into me and anxiety can't track into my children. It stops here right now in the name of Jesus. Just a couple of more moments because some of you are, God is, he's dealing with you in this. Just a couple of more moments. Give him time. As you're replacing all of this stuff that's happening in your life, that you're just replacing it with, with scripture. Take a moment, everybody in the room, and I want you to begin to make a confession. I'm a son, I'm a daughter. Whatever you are, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. Jesus, I belong to you. God, you're my father. I have a dad. You're my dad. You're perfect. You're awesome. You're holy. You're unlike any other. You're beautiful. You're strong. You're God Almighty. You're the strongest. God, there's no one, there's no devil. Satan himself can't stand and block the flow of your blessing and your presence into my life. Come on, you got to declare who he is to you. You're my strength. You're my rock, God. I've been shook some, but I'm not shaken. You're a mighty fortress. You're a protector. You're my shield. I thank you for complete, total healing, health, and wholeness in me tonight. I will walk out of this building whole in the name of Jesus. Freedom. One last thing before we're dismissed. I, I want to tell, there, there are, I, I don't, I can't put a finger on who it is, but I just heard the Lord uh, speak to my heart and just say that there are, there is some, somebody in the room tonight, maybe it's a bunch, I pray it's a bunch of somebody's, really begin to break open the door for the freedom of the Holy Spirit to begin to move in your life. Some of you have walked under a looming crowd, uh, cloud of depression and, and uh, no hope. You felt hopeless. You feel like there's, there's not a future. And what you did tonight through your confession and through this whole process, you broke some things that people were speaking over you. I'm telling you, it was a word, spoken word that was spoken over you. And it's, it's just, you're gonna begin to see it in the days to come. There's freedom being restored because this, the Holy Spirit, wherever he shows up, there's liberty. That's what the scripture says. Where the spirit of the Lord is there in that place, in that person, this temple, there is liberty. And God wants to liberate you. You're no longer a slave. You've been changed from darkness to light. You're no longer bound by that old thing, by that curse, by those words, by that situation, by that act that happened. Some of you were, man, I feel, I'm just, you know, whatever. If you need to go, you're free to go. Some of you were sexually abused as children, or maybe you were raped at some point through your teenage years. And I'm just telling you, it's been something that has set on you for all this time, feeling like you were the one to blame because that you couldn't stop what was happening to you. And I'm here to tell you right now, that's a lie. That is a lie. And I declare that tonight I bring it to the surface. You don't have to raise your hand. We're not asking for that. I want you to remain anonymous. I don't feel that that needs to happen in this moment. But what the Lord is doing in this moment is he's bringing the lie of the enemy. He's shedding light on it. And anything that's brought to the light loses power. And we no longer will you empower those lies and where those where the enemy wants to wants to whisper in your ear and tell you things of how not how you're not good enough, you're not beautiful, you you have you I, I really feel like that that it's 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 a lay 
mighty, but where the, the devil would tell you, you're not good enough, you have no, there, there's no hope for you, no one cares about you, I'm telling you, it's a lie. And tonight, in the name of the Lord Jesus, it has lost its power. It is no longer gonna afflict you, it's no longer gonna weigh upon you at night where you feel like the elephant sits on your chest. And I really believe that's why I've been feeling like what I've been feeling over these past two weeks is because as I've been preparing for this, I've been feeling an elephant sitting on my chest and I thought it might have been ministry it very well could be but I really feel like that tonight the elephant's coming off of your chest the weightiness and the pressure of what happened to you when you were a teenager is no longer going to afflict you anymore that that afflicting spirit that has come against you from previous and it it, 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 it happened previous to you it wasn't something the person that did it to you they it happened to them it was something that was tracking down from generation and that perverse spirit has been broken in the name of Jesus. That's why I kept feeling a deceiving spirit of condemnation. It has loosened its grip. Its claws have been removed. And I see God right now. I'm telling you, I don't know who you are, but I see, I see Jesus. I'm telling you what I'm, I seen taking an oil, a, a, a flask of oil, and he's just pouring it in the claws where that thing took his claws out of your back and out of your body and he's healing and he's wrapping you up and he's letting you know I'm not leaving I'm not leaving because tonight all I needed you to do was to realize it repent of it uh, revoke it and replace it and here I am and he's right beside you and there's protection in your home there's protection on you and your children there's protection going into the next generation so father I thank you for a revelation tonight where you're bringing healing right now in Jesus' name. Healing right now in Jesus' name. It is your heart to heal, to bind up, and to bring people into deliverance and wholeness and freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom. Freedom. I declare freedom over you. I declare freedom over this people. Freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you for your freedom, Jesus. Thank you for your freedom, Jesus. Thank you for joy and peace. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.